Thank God for yet another good day and the blessed day that the Lord has given us. And thank you for that prayer. And it's a privilege for me uh, to minister to you as uh, delegated by our father, Pastor Rita, who is um, not around, but with us in the spirit. Amen. So I'll be sharing on... Um, the title sermon entitled uh, Rule the Nations with an Iron Scepter. Okay, so I will give a background to the first point uh, that is on your bulletin uh, with some scriptures that may not be on the bulletin now. But before I do that, I want to make um, a certain illustration. Maybe uh, Samende will help me with the PowerPoint. There's a, an illustration that I want us to, to look at, which will form as a, a basis of our discourse. Okay. I'd like to have that beamed. So, I'm dealing with... Um, a teaching that gives a different perspective to the perspective I think that we have uh, grown with when we were children. Because uh, you might have been exposed to teachings that uh, Jesus will come one day and set up his throne in Jerusalem. When he sets up his throne in Jerusalem, the sacrifices of animals and booths, booths and gods will start being offered again, and Christ will administer that system. But to tell you the truth, if you go to the Bible, that system is Antichrist. So I want us to establish from the veracity of the word of God to see that Christ is on the throne. If he has been exalted to the highest throne, then which other throne will supersede the current throne that he has? Are we together? To the extent that his throne and his reign is actually co-shared with us. And it will expose a wrong and erroneous doctrine that has postponed or futurized the benefits that need to trickle to his people. Okay. So give us the next, next slide. I want some volunteers, just two young people. Anyone? No, it's, it's a very simple exercise. Don't, try, don't think too much. The next slide. There are some illustrations that... Uh, that are there. I think before that, before that, I should have put something there. Again, just uh, start from the beginning. I hope I've not uh, given you a different uh, folder. If not, then.
Okay, it's okay. I salute you. Thank you very much. It was a different folder that was... Uh, but I wanted to establish a certain picture that if these two were able to see it, they would actually give us strong conclusions. And th that strong conclusion would have come because of the certain angle of interpretation each of those could have used. Okay? I'm sorry for, for that. So the point is, we have grown up with different understandings. And these under understandings, they are lenses that we use to look at the scriptures. And when we read the Bible, instead of getting the thoughts of God, we superimpose our thoughts on the scriptures and get the wrong thing. Are we together? I remember when I was growing up, uh, attending Sunday school, I was in the Catholic church, a very young uh, boy. My, my teacher was a drunkard, my Sunday school teacher, a powerful drunkard, and was drinking cachaso. But it doesn't matter, I was committed every 14 hours on Saturday, we would go to his place and he would teach us the word of God. And one song he, he taught us, I, I came to realize it was a wrong song. The song was, uh, was saying, Lord, now it's dark. We are saying bye to you. Remain with your angels because now time is gone. Bye, we'll see you next time. In Nyanja, it was sung like this. Mbuye kwada, tikupita, salanini angelo. Darisani ananumbu ye yesu salani. Hope you understand. So we'd say bye to God, we'd say bye to the angels, and say, bless us now, we go. So there was a certain frame of mind that was in us that we have to access God and we will meet him at, our, at the house of our, of our teacher, Sunday school teacher. And I was committed so that I go and meet God and the angels. Hope you understand that. So we are, from, we are formed lenses because of the experiences and the education that we have received from churches, doctrines that have never been questioned in the light of God. And these, they act like suffocators to what God wants to achieve in this earth. So this teaching wants to establish that there is no way we can wait for Jesus to come to establish his throne. He's already enthroned. Are we together? If you check the Bible, there's no scriptural reference that says there will be a, another temple that will be built, and then Christ will come, set up his throne, and then begins to supervise that system of animal sacrifice. Really, it's a spit upon the perfect work that he has accomplished. Give me Revelation 12 and verse 5. It may not be on the scriptures now, but I want to, to just lay a, a basis to that point. So, she bought a, a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Okay? This is Mary. Or others may interpret it as a church. The church gave birth to mature believers, mature sons. Okay? We'll take it first point. 
that here is a male child who was to come and rule the nations with an iron rod, okay, rod of iron. And that child was caught up to God and his throne. Now, this is found in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13. Please go there. It's not on the, on the bulletin yet. But then it tells us about this male child. Because this male child was to rule the nations with an iron scepter. Okay? But then Daniel 7 says, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. How did, God, how did Jesus ascend when he was ascending? What received him up? The clouds, eh? Okay? Now, he ascended with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days. Please, interpret scripture well. The Bible says he came to the ancient of days. He never came from the ancient of days. So, this is not Jesus coming from heaven. It's Jesus ascending. Are we together? So, he came to the ancient of days. Who is the ancient of days? He is the father. This is the same father who the Bible says, and the Lord said to my Lord. So the father now received this, his son, and they brought him near before him. Verse 14. Now listen, that is very interesting. And this is what is confirmed also in the, in the words of Christ. Then to him, who is him, the son of man, then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. You understand that? And this Jesus, when he had risen from the dead, and he, has, he had ascended and seated on the throne, he, he actually came and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority and power. Therefore, you understand? Go ye into all nations. Now he said, as glory and, and the kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. That's the purpose of the nations is to save the Lord, to save this Son of Man who is the Lord Jesus Christ. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Hope we can establish this. Further to that, we can go to Psalm uh, 2, I think from verse 8. Psalm 2, from verse 8, or let's just start from verse 7, because this scripture also talks about this same son of man, okay, and the ancient of days. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. So when did this happen? It never happened in Bethlehem when Jesus was born. It's not at that point. This happened in the resurrection. We must understand there was the begotten that was it, that happened the son was declared, Jesus was declared as the son in the resurrection. In the same resurrection of this son, he was appointed the high priest. He was not a priest when he was ministering on earth because there was a legitimate priesthood, the Levitical priesthood that was already in operation. Are we together? So the priesthood of Jesus is not of Levi, it's of Judah. And the priesthood of Levi is by birth. But of Judah is by appointment. So the priesthood that Jesus had in the resurrection, he was appointed the high priest in the resurrection. At the same time, he was confirmed to be the son of God. 
At the same time, he was actually enthroned as a king. So this happened at the same time. They were mutually inclusive. Verse 8. And then we'll go to Acts, uh, this uh, uh, chapter. Ask of me, and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. Okay? Next verse. You shall break them. We shall break what? Them. Who is them? Who is them? We shall, okay, can you give us verse 8 and verse 9 together? So he has received nations as an inheritance. Hey, but then he shall break the nations. <laughs> so he has received the inheritance, but then he says, he shall break them with an, a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Wow. Sounds very aggressive and uh, ruthless. Okay? Now, let's now connect these verses to Acts 13. And then we'll form a point from there. I hope we are together. Are we together? Good. Please take note of these verses. You can write them. And then you go home and search if what was taught was true. If it's true, get hold of that. If it's not true, discard them in the dustbin. Simple as that. Acts 13, verse 30. 233. Maybe just beam them together. But God raised him from the dead. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. Who are his witnesses to the people? And we declare to you glad tidings. What are glad tidings? The good news. What is this being declared? That promise which was made to the fathers. So God made a promise to the fathers. This promise fulfilled is what is being declared. Now it says, God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus. So this is the resurrection. Amen. As it is also written in the second psalm, the one we read, it says, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Which today? The resurrection. I hope you can connect to the scriptures. Eh? So we see that in the resurrection, the son was begotten. But this son is a king. And this king is also a priest. So it now goes to our first point. We say Jesus was made to sit on the throne of David. And we'll lay emphasis on that, and we can go to that uh, front scripture from Acts 2, verse 29. So please don't throw away the backdrop of what we have established. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the, patri of, of the patriarch David, that he is both 
dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sown with an oath to him that, that the fruit of his womb, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. This is connected to the scriptures we have read. So, here the Bible says, David was a, a prophet. And he knew and understood that God will raise one of his sons according to the flesh, who is called Christ, to be on the throne. And be seated on the throne after being raised from the dead. Verse 31. And he foresaw this, or foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ. Can't we see the connection here? The enthronement of the son of David on the throne of David and the resurrection. They are tied together. May your eyes open to see that. He spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ that he saw was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Verse 32, this Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. So that's the context. Verse 33, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God, ah, you see that one? <laughs> it's clear. So this son of David, who was to sit on his throne, is the same who was raised by God. And this same God now has made this son to be seated at the right hand. Now, that's where the problem is. Because we think God is a big man with some beards, and then he's seated on a big chair, and then his son is on a small chair. The right hand means a place of authority. It's an executive place which encapsulates all power, authority, and glory for the exercise in all the universe. This is a place where the sun has been placed on. It's a place of no condemnation. Hallelujah. Let me continue. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel now assured, know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Who has any doubt that Jesus 
was made to sit on the throne of David with all the scriptures that have been given, tying to the resurrection and tying to the throne. In weddings, they say, if there is no one who has said anything, you better keep quiet forever. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do we understand this? So do not expect another throne to come. Okay, let's add a layer of truth to that. Let's go to this scripture from Philippians chapter 2. I'm just using scriptures to, preach, to, to speak to scriptures and then get the truth from there. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor. Let's say together highest. That's in English is called the superlative. Not the comparative. When we say highest, which other place is higher than the highest? I want some help, brothers and sisters. So if he has been exalted to the highest place, so which other place are we waiting Jesus to be, to be exalted? There's no other except what he has already occupied. May I hear an amen? Unless it's Sungunachi Shupa, we can go to Greek, you'll find it's the same. Even in Hebrew language, it's the same. Even in my language in Senga, it's the same. It's the highest place. It's the highest place of honor, power, glory, and dominion. Hallelujah. And gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Not every knee shall bow. Every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Again, he says he has been exalted to the highest place. Amen. Ephesians 1, 20 and 23, and I'm using the message version, it says all this energy issues from Christ, meaning it comes from Christ. Christ is the source. So there's a background to that. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven. In charge of running the universe, every, everything from galaxies to governments, including the new dawn, no name and no power exempt from his rule. Ah, ah. Hallelujah. In fact, God was calling even hidden, hidden kings like Cyrus. He called them my anointed one. Because the heart of the king is in the hands of the master. And he directs wherever he wants that heart to be directed. To the extent that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. That he should mistreat his people so that his people can be delivered. But at the same time, that Pharaoh should be swallowed by the Red Sea. 
the teaching for another day. Please attend that session. Hallelujah. Now it says, no power is exempt from this through, and not just for the time being, but forever. So there is no gap of rule. So let's discard that teaching that says, now he's, he's coming, Makumbi is coming, and then he will sit on the throne. And then you are reducing Jesus Christ to the flesh. Because Paul says, we once knew him according to the flesh. Now we know him no longer that way. We know him after the spirit. Okay. He is in charge of it all. Has the final say on everything. At the center of this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. And I think we need to understand this. The church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is the centerpiece. The world must submit to the church. The rule that governs, that should govern the world must actually come from the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts. By which he fills everything with his presence. Hallelujah. Can you clap hands for Jesus Christ? Now, you, you, you cannot read this scripture and your spirit is not shaking. Then there's something wrong. Now, interestingly, his exhortation is our exhortation. Okay. Let me make some progress here. I hope we have established the supremacy of Christ. Now let's go to the book of Zechariah, chapter 6, verse 12. We're looking at the house and the throne and the kingdom are mutually exclusive. Inclusive, rather. Meaning, they happen at the same time. If I have a coin, if I have a coin, there's a head and a tail, eh? If you throw, it's either a head or a tail, eh? They can't happen at the same time. Meaning, they're mutually exclusive. But things that happen at the same time, these are mutually inclusive. So when you're talking about the house being built, when you're talking about the kingdom being established, and when you're talking about the king being enthroned, these are mutually in inclusive. They happen at the same time. So when we know when one happens, it means we know when the rest happen. Hallelujah. Okay. So Zechariah 12, uh, New King James Version, I think maybe let me use this. The font's a little bit small for me. Then speak, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch. From his place he shall branch out, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. How many days did it take for Jesus to build his temple? Hmm? How many days did it take for Jesus to build his temple? Three days, eh? Okay, so he shall build the, the temple. 
Verse 16, what does verse 16 say? So we see three things there. Yes, it shall build the temple of the Lord. In how many days? In how many days? In three days, right? The problem is we think, we still think the temple is being built. If the temple is being built, it means in the temple there's no glory. Read Ephesians. The apostles, the evangelists, and all these are given not to build the church, but to build up. There's a difference. To build up, another word is edify. No temple was completed, was incomplete, and then glory comes in. Check the pattern. Only when it is completed that the glory comes in. So the glory of Christ is in his church, meaning it's completed. But what remains now is building up. Hallelujah. You know, when I was a teacher, the little ones were singing a very good song, building up the temple, building up the temple of the Lord. But it's a temple. And it's not a building, but building up. Hallelujah. Edification. What is in the spirit is completed, but we must match up in comprehension of that which is complete. That is our spiritual growth. Hallelujah. So, here the Bible says, he shall bear the glory and he shall sit and rule on his throne as king. Amen. So, he shall be a priest on his throne. Where did you read about the priest being on the throne? Except the order of Melchizedek. So, that tells you kingship, sonship, all these are vested in the template of Melchizedek. So, he shall be a priest on his throne and the council of peace shall be between them. Which between them? Priesthood and kingship. That is why Hebrews now comes in. We are going to read it later, but let's go to the book of 2 Samuel 7 and, uh, and the 12. When your days are fulfilled, that is the Lord speaking to David, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I'll set up your, your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish his kingdom forever. Verse 16 again. See, these, like the verses are also similar. <laughs> Verse 16. And your house and your kingdom shall be established. How many things do we have here? The house, we also have what? The kingdom, and also we have the, the throne. He built the house in how many days? In three days, meaning in the resurrection, he received up his kingdom. And also in the same resurrection, he was enthroned as king on his, the seat of his father, David. Praise the Lord. So from these scriptures, we can deduce that the house that he built, the throne on which he was enthroned, and the kingdom he received, 
actually took place at the same time. Amen. And we, the saints, are the recipients of the eternal kingdom of Christ. Without doubt. Daniel 7 and verse 27. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people. Who are these people? The saints of the Most High. Who are these people? Who are, who are uh, saints? Can I see? If you are a saint, please, can you raise your hand? How come my saints are no, no, no? <laughs> Listen, if you are in Christ and you have Christ, you are a saint. Meaning you are set apart. That is what holiness means. Holiness does not mean not sinning. Kadosh in Hebrew. It doesn't mean not sinning. You cannot define God, God's holiness with reference to not sinning. If you define holiness as not sinning, it means God was not holy at, at one point. Because sin was introduced at a particular point. Are we together? Eh? So before sin was introduced, how would you define holiness? I'm asking you, okay, so I need the response. So you cannot say holiness is not sinning. No, holiness is the exclusiveness of God. Who are you allow? God is unique. He's set apart. He's incomparable to all other. Now the uniqueness of God has been conveyed to us, the saints, his people, who are the dwelling place of God. Now we are the temple of God. The same DNA of God, the same life of God, the same righteousness of God is what we have now. And because of that, that our identity is Christ, the same name of Christ is our name. The same reputation of Christ is our reputation. If Christ is holy, it means we are also holy. We are the saints of the Most High God. And we are they who have received the kingdom. Praise the Lord. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall save and obey him. Let me go to the PowerPoint, that, that table. The problem, we don't know what the kingdom is. Please, when we say kingdom in the Bible, it does not mean buildings. And many of you are expecting a city which will come, and then you'll be there as a kingdom. Start your Bible again. I think that city will be very, very, very boring, because it only has one street. So there'll be traffic congestion. And all those. To tell you, it's not something physical. It's an allegory. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, next, please, give us. Uh, so, here is, uh, I hope you can see those behind. If you can't see, it's okay, because there are some seats here in the middle. So, I have got three realms here. There are three realms there's the realm of the spirit, there's the realm of the soul, and the realm of the body. 
Are you able to see that? So in your spirit, in my spirit, we share the same spirit of Christ. This Adam never had. Adam enjoyed the visitation of God, but we enjoy the habitation of God. That's why you don't come in the presence and going out of the presence. It means there's something wrong with the mindset. I hope you understand that. Because it says the time will come when God will dwell with them and in them again. Maybe the twice, right? That is what? Okay, please. Can you give me John? I will hold on to this. Let me, let's go to John chapter 17. Pastor Chong, we are discussing this verse. John 17. Please uh, give me there. 17 or 16? Let's start from 16. John 14. John 14. John 14, verse 16. And I'll pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper. Another here does not mean another different, but another of the same kind. I didn't prepare that I teach on this, but because you are not responding. So I want to, to give you that. You understand? So in Greek, it's parakletos, meaning another of the same kind. You understand that? So they had the helper, but he would ask the father to have another helper to come. But this one who comes is another, but of the same kind. That he may come, that he may abide with you for seven years. So why are you saying the Holy Spirit has left you? Okay, next verse. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. You see, the world cannot receive the spirit of truth. Why? Because it neither sees him nor knows him. They want scientific evidence of the spirit. That's why they cannot receive spiritual things. It doesn't make sense. It's true. Even tongues don't make sense. You speak in tongues. Ah, it's nonsense. It's true. It's nonsense. And the Bible says the mind is unfruitful. You are very true. Hallelujah. In, in, in tongues, they, are not, they mean different things. So, so don't subject it to reason. You speak mysteries. And when you speak in tongues, I'm not speaking to you. It's between God and me. So what's your problem? <laughs> and the Bible says, I speak mysteries to God. So why should it be you? If I speak in a tongue and it's meant for you, there'll be an interpretation. Then you can benefit. Believe me. Paul says, I speak in tongues and all of you. So the world neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. You understand that? Now this Jesus is saying, I'll ask the Father to send you another helper. But this another helper, you already know him. How can they know him when he has not come? Let science come and explain this. For he dwells with you. Pastor Moses, come. Yeah, my dear brother. Let me teach something. For he dwells with you. So who was dwelling with the disciples? For he dwells with you. This another. He dwells with you. 
and will be in you. So I'm Jesus. I dwell with them. But on that day, I'll be in them. If that is hidden, it's okay. Thank you very much. Continue. Hello, all together. Verse 18. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Continue, continue, continue. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you will also live. Verse 20. At that day, which that day? When another comes, another of the same kind comes. After the resurrection, you will know that I am in the Father. You will know that I am in my Father and you in me. So if we are in Christ and Christ is in the Father, where are we? Now it says, and I in you. So there is Christ in me, and then I am in Christ, and Christ is in the Father. That's why I, I don't mind if you don't greet me. If you hate me, it's okay. <laughs> That's my secret. You have no significance to my life. I'm in Christ. Christ is in me, and Christ is in the Father. And he rules the universe. Ah. Now, this is what I'm talking about here. Now, I didn't plan for this. Now, let's come to the point where I did not understand. Where is it? The kingdom. Okay, go back now to the... You understand now? You have wasted the time. So, since I'm a teacher, I'll add some more time. Praise the Lord. Okay, there's no second service. It's okay? Okay. So, I was saying, we share the same spirit with Christ. I hope you understand now. Now, what we share in the spirit must now overwhelm the soul. What is the soul? The soul is the will, the emotions, and the intellect of man. So it's no longer my will at the throne of God, but the throne of God in my will, in my emotions, and in my intellect. Are we together? So in the spirit, there is a king. But the king must be revealed as a son. When he's revealed as a son in you, not to you, in you, he's revealed as a king. So the revelation of the son is the anointing of the king. When the son is revealed, him as a king. The son is revealed so that we know him as king. Not to know him as a king. If you know him as a king, he has no relevance to you. But if you know him as king, then he rules in you. He has taken over the exercise of his authority in your soul as king. But if you know him by intellect, then you know him as a king. So he has no relevance in your soul. 
Meaning in your soul, there is no establishment of the throne. Go check the scriptures. The sevenfold spirits are before the throne of the Father. So the exercise. So in the soul, he establishes his authority. So if there is no establishment of the authority of Christ in your soul, the same king will not exercise dominion in your body. This is what we call kingdom. The kingdom starts with the king. And the king has a domain. In this domain, he exercises his authority and expresses his nature and character. So the, 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 the expression of the nature of the king the expression of the character of the king and the power of the king is actually the manifestation of the manifested son, which is the manifestation of the kingdom. When he says, go heal the sick, he actually means allow the king, who is the, the healer, to simply use your hands and use whatever, and the sick will be okay. So if you have no understanding of this, you wait for another. Peter and John, they came to a man at a beautiful gate. I don't know why it was called beautiful, because for 38 years he was at the same gate. And he was expecting what? A coin. Coins, eh? But Peter and John say, silver and gold, I have none. They were also broke. It's not the first time. But they understood that there's something. But such as I have, I give you. Stand up. And what? A man who has never walked from birth. They, didn't, they knew I, had, I have something which I can give. By the way, they didn't ask the father to heal the sick. Take your Bible. The Bible does not say go and pray for the sick. The Bible says go heal the sick. I don't know how you understand. Somebody is sick, you are asking the father to heal. But the father said go heal the sick. We have reversed the order. That's why it's I've told you the secret. Praise the Lord. You understand that? Check, check the scriptures. All the disciples, they never asked the father. Who is the, who is the, okay, I will not ask that question. For example, a policeman, a thief is, has come and is armed. And he knows he has to use the gun. The first point, they are trained. Whether it's to do a, a warning, a warning if it doesn't work, then they will do what they have been trained. Not so. Now imagine the policeman is calling the IG, sir, there's a thief here. Watch, I'm asking you to come and arrest the thief. You'll be fired one time. And most of us would have been fired in the kingdom. No safety requires. So the kingdom starts with the king manifesting himself in a people through the people so that the world will see his nature and character. Are we together there? So what starts in the spirit is expressed through the body. When you understand this, even your shadow makes sense. 
<laughs> Jesus had to hear. No, in fact, the, the woman with an issue of he came, she came and withdrew power from the from the what? There was no prayer offered. She just withdrew to show you that you are the ATM of the power of the kingdom, but you don't know. Hallelujah. Let's go to the next point. Now, I think I didn't read Hebrews 8 verse 1. We'll read the Hebrews verse 1, and then we'll, we'll go to our point number 4. In fact, it's here on the bulletin. It says, the main point in what we have been saying is this. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle, which the Lord has set up, not man. So what is this tabernacle? What is this heavenly tabernacle? Okay. Just beam one and two together. Now, this is the main point. This is chapter what? Chapter what? So, from chapter one, chapter two, chapter up to seven, then it comes chapter eight, says the main point of the things we have been saying. In other words, summary of what we have been talking about is this. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the Father, of the throne of the majesty, in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord has erected. So the, the point is, what is the true tabernacle which the Lord has erected? Okay. The Bible says Jesus, he sat down and began to teach. I'm waiting for the answer. <laughs> what is the true tabernacle? Okay, by the way, whatever answer you give me, in the presence of God, all answers are correct. <laughs> so don't fear. Yeah, good, Christ. Which other tabernacle? So what is the tabernacle of God? His dwelling place? So what is the dwelling place of God? Hmm? Okay, don't speak like a goalkeeper, you know? <laughs> so what is the true tabernacle of God? If you can understand this, then it means we have understood everything. Huh? Huh? Okay. okay, good. You know, to acquire, they mislead us many times, not you. Because <laughs> we have been taught songs like, Munganda Yabaya, if we to lay a munganda, munganda yabaya we. You understand? Bakwingira munganda. Yes, sir. So, you know what that, that creates? It's like we are entering the house of God. And you are 
not aware that you are the house of God. Imwe, you are the temple of God. Okay, I didn't prepare for this. Let me teach again. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, I'll hold on to that point. Let's go to the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 3. After this, there will be a test. <laughs> and you must get 100%. <laughs> Hallelujah. Revelation 21, verse 3. Now, it says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven say, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Let's read that scripture again. One, two, three. That's not what it says. It's, please, it's not a voice. It's a loud voice. So let's read again. It's loud because you must hear it. One, two, three, go. We understand this is future. You know, the, 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 the robber of the blessedness of the church is futurizing things. Apostle Paul did not teach this as a future thing. Hmm? So the tabernacle of God is with men. Hallelujah. Even Solomon says, which temple can I build you? Because you don't dwell in temples made by man. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? The temple and the tabernacle are the same. For you are the temple of the living God. Let's read that again. You are, let's one, two, three. For you are the one mentioned what in Revelation 21, verse 3. The new Jerusalem which came. As God has said, again, he's driving death to refer to the saints as the temple because of what was written. What was written? I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. So who is the tabernacle of God? Good. Can you clap hands for yourself? <laughs> so the saints are the tabernacle of God. Where there's a throne of the king. So where is the throne of, of God? Okay, I said all answers are correct. So where is the throne of, of God? Okay, I know we've got masks, but can you amplify your voice? Where is the throne of God? Where is the throne of God? 
You have no problem to say Christ is in me. Why can't you say the king is in me? So, is there a king without a throne? So where is the throne? So you are the centerpiece of the throne of God. In other words, you are the throne of God. You just have to awake to that. Whether you feel it or not, but the reality is, if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, the king is there. I'm remaining with two minutes, but for that time where I had to teach, I will extend. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. It is well. May Pastor Chomp. Praise the Lord. So, our reign on earth is an extension of the reign of Christ. Because we are the throne and the king is in us. We are the tabernacle of God. Isn't it this which is written in the book of Romans? This is chapter 5, verse 17. It says, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall do what? They shall reign on earth. They shall reign in this life. So the reign starts with you and then is extended to all others. Okay? Those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. In life. Let's say in life. Yes, that's where the reign is. Not after you die. Many want to go to glory when they die. But Christ has brought you to glory. Okay. Daniel 7 verse 27. I think we read that scripture. Let me not uh, go to that, but it, it speaks about the reign of Christ. And we must be cognizant of that. Quickly, I'll go to the next point. I'll explain them together. The inheritance which is the nations, okay, in the context of Psalm 2, the inheritance there is the nations will be built up, or is built up by God's spirit weight. Okay, give me a PowerPoint presentation. Uh, this time I will not, I will not, I hope I will not disappoint you. Again, again. Just again, just continue, I will let you know. Uh -huh. Okay, let's look at this. What is the iron scepter? Iron stands for strength, inflexibility, or unbrokenness. It's, it's solid, eh? It's strong. It's powerful. But scepter, have you seen that picture? That's a scepter. It's in the hand of the king. It symbolizes authority, rulership, or anointing. So when we say iron scepter, we actually mean powerful rulership or the ultimate authority or eternal rulership. Are we together? So to rule the nations with the iron scepter is to rule the nations with a powerful rulership of Christ, the ultimate authority of Christ. Give me the next slide. So the iron rod belongs to the Messiah. The scepter or leadership shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from beneath his feet, until Shiloh, who is the Messiah, the peaceful one, comes 
to whom it belongs. So it belongs to the Messiah. And to him shall be the obedience of the people, all the nations. Next slide. Let's just follow those slides because so the inheritance is not to be destroyed but built up by God's powerful weight. We read in Psalm 2 that we shall break them. We shall dash them to pieces. But breaking and dashing does not mean destroying. In, language, in English, it sounds like that. Okay? So he says, ask of me, I'll give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for, for your possession. You shall break them with the iron, rod of iron and you shall dash them to pieces like the potter's vessel. Next slide. Revelation 19, 15. Now out of his mouth goes the sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. What is a sword? It's a weight. What proceeds out of his mouth is a weight. So to dash the nations is ruling with the weight. Hallelujah. He himself trades the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of the Almighty. And he has on his robe and on his thigh the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Next. So to rule the nations with the iron scepter is to rule the nations with the powerful weight of the Lord. We read that scripture. She shall bear a male child who shall rule the nations with the with a, a rod of iron, and, and her child was caught up to God and to his throne. That's in, in the inheritance, in, in, the, in the resurrection. Next slide. We have read the exhortation of Christ. We have read this scripture before. Eh? It was exalted to the highest place. Next. We have also established the ancient of, he came to the ancient of days and received authority and power and the kingdom. Next slide. So, that is an underline. The sonship, the kingship, and the high priesthood belongs to the order of Melchizedek. Now, interestingly, he says, the scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. So this iron scepter is what? The scepter of righteousness. So if we understand that actually the scepter, this scepter is the word, it means it's a word of righteousness. So if I have to rule the nations, is to rule the nations with the word of righteousness. Next. Interestingly, Micah is there in the, in the, in the bulletin. To shepherd, to strike, to feed, to rule, it means the same. So to dash the nations, to break the nations, what does it mean? Shepherd your people with your staff. Rule the nations with your staff. The flock of your inheritance or heritage who dwells solitarily in a woodland, not in woodlands, in the midst of camel. Let them feed, let them feed. It's the same word. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead as in days of old. So to rule in Greek means poimaino. Poimaino, which means to shepherd, which means to rule, which means to feed. Next slide. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds. Again, the word. Poimaino. Except that is a noun. Okay? Feed. To shepherd the sheep. Is, the, the church is to feed the sheep with the word of righteousness. 
which he bought with his own blood. Next slide. Here is what Jesus was telling Peter. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of, uh, of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care. What did he mean? He said, feed. Poimaine. Strike. Dash. My sheep. Meaning, feed them with my word. Take care of them. Give them the way, the revelation of my righteousness. Next slide. So, when we say, he shall rule the nations with the rod of iron, we mean the word of the Lord or the word of God, that which is, was in the beginning with God, that which became flesh and is known as a resurrected one, shall rule, shall pasture, shall shepherd, shall feed the nations with a rod of iron, with this powerful word of righteousness. So feeding, ruling the nations with God's powerful word of righteousness is what it means to rule the nations with the, the rod of the iron scepter. Hallelujah. And this starts with us. Many have been broken in the church. We have condemned people. Somebody has messed up. Instead of ruling them, with an iron scepter, we condemn them instead of lifting them up. We, we destroy them instead of mending them. The church. But Jesus asks, do you love me? What could be your answer? If you love me, then feed my sheep. Rule them with the iron scepter. Give them the word of acceptance, the word of right standing. So they come to me. They know me as king. I take my throne in them, and I begin to express myself in and through the body that the world may see my glory through them. That is our responsibility. Hallelujah. You may say, well, I've messed up so much in life. I can tell you there is the iron scepter which says, you are my beloved. There is no sin that is greater than the grace of God. The mercy of God is received from the throne of grace, and every day, the faithfulness of God, and his yes, you can. So you may say, can I feed the nations with the iron scepter? Yes, you can. But just to start with you, allow to be fed with the iron scepter, and let God mend you up. Renew you and make something out of the ashes. Hallelujah. Are we ready to pray and celebrate the King of Kings? Amen. Please, let's stand and pray. Let's just uh, pray together, choir. Thank you.